Hey everybody and welcome back to Novel Gaming, a podcast about video games and books with a nice warm mug of other pop culture. <laughs> I'm Vicky. I'm Doug. And I'm Katie. And today we're talking robots. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I'm pretty excited for. Kind of wild we haven't done this before, so I'm glad to do it. Uh, as a reminder or an a heads up, we're talking robots because for our November book club, we read Becky Chambers' Psalm for the Wild Built. Um, but before we trek into the deep forest or chat mm-hmm. about what we've been playing and watching, we got some listener feedback hey. uh, on our 20 questions episode, which is pretty exciting. Hey, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. So friend of the pod, Kristen, reached out to share that the only character <laughs> she was able to successfully guess during 20 questions was Princess Peach. <laughs> so I think Kristen gets the win then because we did yeah. not. Doesn't matter. That oh, was the only one. We, we were stumped yeah. on Peach. <laughs> That's amazing. I know. Because we were overthinking. Oh, uh, yeah. gosh. Uh, it for me that feedback just really reinforced how <laughs> amazing and hilarious it was that y'all got stumped by Peach. The easiest I... by far. And it's not like we didn't know. know. I knew. We knew, knew. but like, we just, yeah, it was like an Occam's razor thing, but whatever the opposite is, is what (laughs) Vicky and I were doing. We were looking for the most complicated uh, answer instead of the simplest. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yes. I laughed so hard uh, editing and then listening to that. Like, I I only laughed more every, (laughs) like every next time I experienced it. It was amazing. Uh. If you haven't listened to our 20 questions episode, Please do. It's so yeah. funny. Yeah. Or even just the last, like, <laughs> seven minutes of it. Yeah. So you can mock us openly. <laughs> That's totally fine. Please, mock me yeah. and Vicky. We love it. I don't mind. <laughs> they deserve it. Yeah. I'm not even going to, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. pretend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Kristen, for yeah. for reaching out and for letting us know, because that made my day. Yeah. Thank you, Kristen. <laughs> for sure. Yes. Agreed. Uh. All right, so before we talk book, though, let's still do our check-in and talk about what we've been playing and watching lately. So, Vicky, what have you been playing? Yeah, uh, I've been playing a lot of Last of Us 2. I, I think there's so so little I can say, which is killing me, A. <laughs> um, but B, I think I'm near the end. Oh, shoot. Right. So I will be putting probably more hours than I anticipate in to, like, wrap it up. And mm-hmm. it, I'm, I don't, it could keep going. So I'm 25 hours in, I'll say that. Um, okay. And oh. I can keep going for another 25 hours. Like, it, the story is oh. that good. Shoot. Yeah. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. And that's all I'll say about Last of Us, I guess. <laughs> I think so. I don't. I don't have Last of Us Part Two yet, but I think I saw that they maybe added it to PS Now, oh, cool. which I don't have. But that's only like ten dollars a month, oh. so it would be totally worth subscribing to play Last of Us Two, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> sticking around or not. <laughs> I've definitely jumped in and out of PS Now before. Yeah, and like I would imagine that it's going to go on sale for Black Friday, you know. So maybe mm. we could find a copy for ten bucks, and then you can own it. <laughs> true, uh, but it's true. very, very good. So I recommend it. I've also been playing a lot more handheld games than I thought. Hmm. Um, oh. I know I have said in the past that like handheld yeah. isn't my fave, but I've mm-hmm. I've had I, I think since I officially changed the case on my uh, 3ds, it's like changed my heart <laughs> a little bit. I um, it's like a whole new system. Yeah. So I, I have been playing a lot of um, my Pikmin game. I picked up a, a Pikmin game for the DS, 3DS. Uh, so I've been yeah. playing a lot of that. I've been playing a lot of Trauma Center. Um, I've been playing a lot of Lego Harry Potter. So, you know, nothing that is uh, new to that system is still like the same uh, franchises for me. But I have mm. been playing a lot more than usual. So that's been fun. Nice. It feels it feels new and refreshing. So yeah, it's been good. 
comfort franchises. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just imagine like I imagine you in like a 3DS like advert, like mm. cozied up on the couch, Aww. wrapped in a blanket with like a cup of cocoa in your 3DS. Yeah. And trauma like, surgeon and tra- playing. <laughs> and tra- <laughs> I know. Exactly. Classic Vicky cozy. <laughs> well, like too bad God of War isn't on the 3DS, you know. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> the true comfort. The franchise. ultimate, yeah, cozy game. Yep. Doug, what have you been playing? I, I imagine Katie will also talk about this, so I'm going to mention it, and then we can geek out. Oh, hell but I've been yeah. playing a lot, a lot yes. of the uh, Animal Crossing update oh, uh, yes. and DLC for sure. Um, but I have also, and you two know this, but um, I haven't mentioned it on the podcast in a while because I haven't played it in a while. Uh, but I've been playing a decent amount of Bloodstained, uh, oh, Ritual yeah. of the Night, oh, yeah. which I know I've mentioned on the podcast before, but I fully will admit that I just like quit playing that game like one boss in because I was like this is so hard and I don't understand Mm -hmm. why and I think I think I've gotten past that hurdle because it's going a lot more smoothly now I think once I got past that like second boss and started really sort of like accepting that this game is not Symphony of the Night it's just made by the same guy as Mm -hmm. Symphony of the Night um, I think that made the process and the adjustment a bit smoother, a <laughs> um, little easier for me to accept that I don't have to be good at a game I've never played before. <laughs> <laughs> but it was rough because I had just replayed a bunch of Symphony of the Night, so I was like blasting through that and then yeah. decided to revisit Bloodstained and got my ass whooped again and was like, God damn it! <laughs> but we're, I, think, I think we've we've made it to the point of like, it's fun and not infuriating. That's good. <laughs> good. I'm glad. Yes. If nothing else, I, I'm determined to not let this game defeat me. Good. <laughs> I support that. <laughs> so that's those have been the, the two big ones. So Bloodstained for sure, but Animal Crossing update yeah. for sure. So, Vicky, have you done any Animal Crossing since the update? Nope. Okay. <laughs> uh. So... You could talk I about guess it. Yes, we can. No, no, no. I can. You okay? You. We could talk in general terms. I you, think that won't can, necessarily give things away. You can also. Well, you watched the update, though, yeah. right? Did you see the yeah, video? Yeah, yeah. You can give things away. It's totally okay. Yeah. And it's on me at this point, so I'm fine. <laughs> Go for it. Um, Doug. Yeah. How amazing is it to just design homes and not have to worry about spending bills to get furniture and oh, cool. or making things? It is so ridiculous the amount of time I spend designing one. Oh my room. god! Really? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Vicky, the other day I to. was probably designing one room for like legit ninety minutes oh, because I was like, I was like toying with like lighting Aww. and what to put on the walls and how to arrange it, and then like something wouldn't feel right, so I'm like, well, maybe I'll just change the wallpaper. And then, like, once I change the wallpaper, I'm like, well, now none of this furniture works. So I gotta change all the furniture. Like, it's just, and it, but it's, like, not... It's fun. I, I don't even notice how much time has passed. Oh, yeah. that's like, good. it's so much fun. You're in your flow state. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's totally a flow mm-hmm. state. It, it feels like it's, it's, it feels so similar, like, dangerously similar to the sort of mindset I would be in when the game first dropped. Mm. Dangerous because when the game first dropped, like that was when I was like furloughed. Mm -hmm. So I like had nothing to do all day. Now I can't do that. So I'm like, oh no, where did the time go? I designed (laughs) one room. (laughs) Yeah. But it's amazing. It's so much fun. It is so cool. So good. And I haven't even unlocked. So you don't get everything right away. So all the Mm -hmm. features and stuff they shared that are part of the DLC aren't things that you get right off the bat. You have to design spaces and then you unlock new powers, uh, new furniture, new things to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I haven't even unlocked everything yet, but I've put hours into it. I think I've designed three rooms so I haven't gotten like full on partitions or anything yet, but I'm not even fully mad about it because I'm having so much fun doing the other mm-hmm. stuff. And I like uh, how you can how you can basically pick what villagers you want to design for. It's like you get more than the allotted ten villagers. Yes, oh. like, it's like you get even more villagers mm-hmm. now. Basically, cool. like they don't live on your island, but you now have access to like a whole nother map, and you get to choose who 
to make homes for. Yes. So it's like, it, it doesn't feel like as limited anymore. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And I don't, because of that, like you could buy like a box of chocolates and invite of your one of your villagers to have a vacation home. I don't think I'm ever going to do that because <laughs> I just want to have a bunch of whole new <laughs> villagers right. on my, you know, vacation island yeah. space. So I'm so excited to keep playing. I think, unfortunately, you can't get cactuses on your home island. Oh, no. Unless that's a feature you unlock later. But I... It could be. One of the things I, like, instantly went for, as soon as you could pick the plot for your your vacationer, was the desert one with cactuses. And I couldn't add more cactuses to their outdoor area. So Uh, I was like, this probably isn't going to happen. But who knows? I'll have a little bit of hope. But I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been playing a lot of that. And I'm going to play a lot more. Oh, and yeah. uh, I also recently picked up Mass Effect 3 again because N7 Day was in November. Oh. Which is like <laughs> N7 is Commander Shepard's armor. So mm-hmm. uh started back on my Mass Effect 3 bullshit. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Then I've also been playing The Outer Wilds, um, which is a really cool game, and it's got really good music and good like sound, and uh, it's pretty relaxing, even though it's like somewhat horrifying. Oh, but I'm liking it a lot so far, and I'm not gonna talk too much about it, but it's about exploring space. But I really want y'all to play it at some point. Is it horror horrifying in like an intentionally horror yeah. way, an existential way, like a expansive space like what kind of horrifying are we talking Mm -hmm. here uh definitely expansive space horrifying and also something that i don't want to talk about because the first (laughs) time i experienced it (laughs) it was like whoa what so gotcha um definitely space because space is terrifying but there's other elements too (laughs) and there's a dlc that i haven't played or I don't know if I'm going to, because some folks that I listen to talk about video games said that is like legitimately scary. Oh, so okay. I'm going to play and try and beat whatever that looks like, the regular game, and then make a decision based on how scary it gets <laughs> as to whether or not I'll do the <laughs> DLC. Got it. Yeah. Nice. Um, I have yeah. A, a Mass Effect question for you. Ooh. It, okay. Isn't there a new one coming out? Uh, Yes. But no real details on it. Okay. They uh, teased it a while ago, but then for N7 Day, put out another uh, like promotional poster ah, type that, thing. That's what I it. saw. Okay. Yep, yeah. Yeah. So there was some renewed fervor um, about it. Okay. And then I have another. But there's no date. I have another question for you. Um, I believe there's like a Mass Effect movie. Have you seen oh, it? Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know there was a movie. Okay. Like already is a movie or like in the works movie? No, 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 no. Exists. Really? Oh. Yeah. Don't look it up. I, I might have seen it. Vicky, is this a porn no, parody Oh my of God, no. It sounds like no, Vicky. No, 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 I'm just saying. <laughs> Stop. I might have seen it somewhere, so let me just pick it up and then you can watch it. Okay. It was just the way you said, know, don't look it I up, know. that I, I was like, this that. sounds salacious. It's definitely porn. <laughs> Vicky constantly sends me porn. God, no, remind me to tell you <laughs> uh, a story about porn off the podcast. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, my goodness. Let's stop recording right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, to move things along then, uh, Vicky, what have you been watching? <laughs> well, I'm just kidding. Um, Ass effect. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, what have I been watching? Um, some private practice. I'm really ready for it to Classic. be. I know. I'm really ready for that one to be over. I am not enjoying it. But oh, no. and, like, you I've don't had, have to watch I, it. No, I know this, and I've I've had this conversation with myself. I've had this conversation, you know, with other people. Like, I do not have to watch it. Like, I don't have to finish it. But I'm uh, like four and a half seasons in. There are six seasons, so I'm just gonna finish it. Oh my gosh! But that's not a long time. Yeah, like only when I could just put it on in the background, not when I like want to actually watch something. Um, <laughs> I also watched all of Lock and Key season one. 
Oh, I haven't seen that. Is that, is that based on a it comic? It is based on a comic, and I think I really would like this comic. Um, hmm. It's it's weird because the characters, the main characters, are like kids, like teen, but also like a young, maybe I don't know, maybe he's like twelve or ten or something. The youngest brother. So like you'd think mm-hmm. it would be kid like, but there's some really dark themes, like heavy stuff that happens, so, mm-hmm. and. It's not scary, but it's weird, dark, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we had watched the first episode when it came out probably a year ago and then never came back to it. And then I just, season two came out. So I was like, well, I, you know, I'm trying not to watch private practice. So I'll put something else on. <laughs> and it was really good. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. What's the premise of that one? So it's, I, I keep trying, like the title, I don't think makes the most sense. Um, there's the Locke children, or, like, the Locke family, mm. and they live in the key house, which, like, it's punny, but, like, it, they don't... The key house has significance, but, like, they don't really explain, like, a <laughs> lot of it or a lot of the backstory, or maybe the backstory is coming in season two. I don't know. But the premise is um, these kids have to move into the key house, which is, like, an old family house that has been abandoned. People think it's haunted, blah, blah, blah. Um, mm-hmm. and then the mystical things happen mm-hmm. from there. Okay. I like mystical things. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt, um, it felt different than anything else I've watched recently. So it seemed original. Cool. Yeah. I've always seen the title image for that, but never knew what any of it was about. So yeah. Yeah. And it's like not quite coming of age story, but just like good adventure. I think it, if you like Umbrella Academy, you probably would like Lock and Key. All right. I cool. do like Umbrella. Yeah, I think it's like a not more juvenile. The characters are definitely more juvenile, but same like serious tones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doug, have you been watching anything new? Yes. Or well, old. not new. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I've been watching something old. I uh, Well, it's not that. It's older than I would have realized or would have guessed because uh, I think it might have come out in like like 10 years ago. I, I if you had told me that this show is 10 years old, I don't know that I would have believed you immediately, but I've been watching, I've been blasting through, I should say, uh, Adventure Time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which I did watch um, a lot of when it was, like, in its initial run. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, actually, I think, Katie, you had asked me, I don't know Mm -hmm. how it came up, We were for some reason we were talking about Adventure Time, and you had asked me if I had watched the later seasons, and I was like, no, I haven't. Um, so I was like, but that would be a fun show to rewatch because I really liked it. It would be an easy thing to like put on while I'm doing things or just to sit down and watch like it's good both ways. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I had seen similarly to what you had told me, Katie, I knew that I had seen like probably three or four seasons into it mm-hmm. um, and then learned that it went 10 seasons long wow. um, and the seasons got longer, I oh, think, shoot. as the mm-hmm. show got longer. So I thought I had seen technically the majority of it and i definitely have not so i i'm getting to the point now because i'm i'm almost through the fourth season um i'm getting to the point now where i'm hitting episodes i do not remember uh but i'm still seeing some episodes i do remember so i must be at the point in the initial run where i was like catching episodes but not like recording it or whatever um but it's it's great i i remember a lot more than i thought i did like like details wise um, or like specific episodes wise because my brain doesn't normally work that way mm-hmm. but like an episode will start and I'll be like oh yeah this is the one where they do this and that you know mm-hmm. uh, this is the one where Finn turns into a lamb statue <laughs> like I don't know why I would remember that but I'm finding that I, I am and it's a lot of fun uh-huh. that's cool I only know about Adventure Time because the two of you yeah I, I, you know, I know. <laughs> well I couldn't remember Finn's name but I remember Jake the dog and Marceline because Marceline was cool hell yeah yeah but only yeah. because of you two when we were working together <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, it would have oh, to be. Shoot. It would have yeah. to be at least as old as us knowing oh, each other. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it's older than that because I'm pretty sure I watched it in college yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's wild. And I, I believe Katie didn't. I, I think it's going to be so embarrassing if I'm if I'm misremembering which one of you gave me this. But I think, Katie, did you make me a Jake pillow at some I point? I did. Yes. Aww. I still have it. Oh, yay. <laughs> and I forgot that I had that when we were talking about it. But, uh, but yeah. Oh, so yeah. it's been a lot of fun. 
Yay. Oh, I'm so it's glad. You should bring out your Jake pillow and watch Adventure Time with him. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I believe there's going to be, I, I don't know why I'm saying, I, I believe, I know for a fact, they're they're doing more. Like, not of Adventure Time specifically, but on HBO Max, I, they're going to be doing a Fiona and Cake, mm-hmm. uh, at least 10 episode season of Fiona and Cake, which was like a, nice. a like gender swap episode of uh adventure time so uh, there is more to come and i know that they did like a four technically four episodes but i think they might have all been like an hour long or something yeah they were kind of uh, like a series movies. called distant lands or something so i'm excited at all the stuff that I, I i don't know anything about the distant land stuff um and i'll be very excited when fiona and kate comes out so i'm i'm happy to be revisiting the world of ooh uh for sure it's making me i for a while was playing an adventure time video game oh, oh nice um, when i had ps now oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if i get it again i'll have to pick that game back up and i was really enjoying it and this is making me want to go back and play or finish that game mm-hmm. adventure That's time awesome. is so good yeah it really is i'm uh excited for you so i don't think i i don't think i've watched every episode but i've definitely watched Every episode where Marceline and Bubblegum are hanging out together, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, <laughs> uh, and watch those distant land things. So I'm really excited for you to make your way through uh, yeah. and see some of the good stuff. I think you've watched my favorite episode of all time, the What Was Missing episode. Oh, yeah. Where they first like the sort of yeah, wink at you, the idea uh-huh. that this could be a thing that's going to be happening. Yeah. So yep. good. So mm-hmm. good. And I don't even know if like at the time that's what it was meant to be so much as it was just sort of, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I'll have to find, I'm sure they've talked about it. Right. But I wonder if when they did that episode, if they knew that they were going to be like fully pursuing that as a storyline mm-hmm. or if it was just like that happened in that episode. Cause it was like a very musical episode in general. Um, but uh, I feel like it yeah. was intentional. I mean, it was certainly intentional. I just wonder if they, because it becomes like a full-on storyline, right? Like it's, yeah. it becomes like a, a permanent piece of the show. Cause yeah, it's canon. one thing that's cool about Adventure Time is that like when something changes, it changes permanently, typically, right? So like Finn will get a new weapon and he'll then, that'll just be his new weapon moving forward. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think I maybe read an article that talked about some of the older cartoons that came out during that era and how you had to do all this intentional laying of groundwork to Mm -hmm. trick the networks into letting you acknowledge the Ah. queer relationship later on. Um, So you had to like do all this subtle stuff that folks in the community, like as soon as I saw that episode, I was like, hell yeah, sign me up for this. I think there was a lot of that so that when they were like, okay, this is officially a thing, the networks couldn't be like, well, no, 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 that doesn't make sense. They're like, well, we've been building up to this secretly the whole time, so yeah. you're gonna have to. That's great. I'm I'm glad that that was that was the case, right? As opposed to like it just being a thing and then people getting excited about. It. I mean, it would have been cool if it was just a thing they did that people got excited about and then they developed it further. But I'm glad that it was like actual seeding and laying groundwork and stuff. Because like watching some of the earlier episodes, like I'm surprised um, at how I, I know it's. It's not bad or like problematic, but I'm surprised at how frequently in the early episodes Finn is like kind of a stereotypical, like mm-hmm. socially programmed boy, you mm-hmm. know, um, and it, and he grows from it. So like it, beca- it it ends up being like an ultimately good thing. It's just like a thing I didn't remember. Right. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, that's strange. Or like there was an episode where the prize for it was like the wizard battle one and whoever won the wizard battle got a kiss from Princess oh, Bubblegum. Yeah. And all of the female warrior, like wizard warriors were like, oh man, really? And I was like, that's such a strange thing to include mm-hmm. uh, in a show that I would not have expected, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that was like the same season that they did uh, what was missing. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Anyway, that was a lot of rambling. I'm excited <laughs> to be in, in the world of Blue again, ultimately, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Katie? What have you been watching? Nothing totally new. Uh, my partner and I have been catching up on Great British Bake Off, Yay. but I don't think we're totally caught up. Yeah, same. Ooh, but... Yeah, I think I'm an episode behind now that you Oh, me too. It. Yeah. 
we've been really invested in these last few episodes to the point where I don't know if I've seen her this invested in a TV show before, like yelling <laughs> out oh. and gasping and all that. Oh, wow. And, I mean, me too. It's really, really high stakes baking. <laughs> and then uh, I've been watching Bob's Burgers oh. um, too. Nice. So I'm looking, I'm on the hunt for a new show. So maybe Lock and Key. Yeah. Will be something I I tap into. I think you might like that. Is there a new season of Bob's out? Or is it I airing? honestly don't know. Okay. I just like put on. Oh, just put it on ep- episodes. Got yeah, it. and just let it go. It's so good. Yeah, it really is. But speaking of butts, the most recent episode I just watched was one where <laughs> Linda pooped in public oh. and then got arrested. Oh no! Really yeah. So speaking of butts, I watched that but, one not too long. Uh, not Linda's butt. Uh, have you all been thinking about anything, anything else on your mind that we want to talk about before we talk books? I don't think so. I I don't think so. All right. Cool. Well, I'm ready to, I'm ready to talk a little bit more about our book club pick. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited actually. So, um, as mentioned at the, at the top of the show, we are talking about Becky Chambers' Psalm for the Wild Built. Uh, which I probably have expressed multiple times how excited I am to read and talk with you all about a <laughs> Becky Chambers book. Yeah, I feel like, you know, we would we would typically ask, how did you pick this book? And, and we'll still ask it, but I bet we could guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it may shock you to learn that I picked this book because it was the one Becky Chambers book I have not read yet. <laughs> Can I ask you questions about Becky Chambers before we get into the book? You can. I don't know how much I'll be able to answer because I don't know much about her as a person. Well, it does not like personal stuff, but like, um, okay, are all of her books similar to this one, or like, does it like? No. Is this like exemplary you, of yeah, yeah, yeah. what you Thank would you. get from a Becky Chambers book? In so yes and no. So like deep ideas, deep thoughts type of things are definitely part of um, her work. Uh, and I feel like her writing is, the writing in this book is a pretty good taste of what the writing is in other books. Mm-hmm. But I would say you can tell it's Becky Chambers, but it's not, they're not all the same. So like cool. the Wayfarer series, there's a lot more, I don't know if I'd call it action, but action uh, in it. <laughs> It's not like a, a let's meander around and talk philosophy type of thing. But there are philosophical notes and questions that come up in each of her books, which is something I super appreciate about her. Are they, does she only write sci-fi or mostly sci-fi? Uh, I believe so. Cool. So the the books I know that she has are her Wayfarer series, which is all set in space, To Be Taught If Fortunate, which is also set in space, and then uh, this book, and then there's going to be another book. This is duology, so there's two of them <gasps> that comes out next year. That Wait, is set uh, this on Earth. Is the first of a duology? Mm-hmm. Yes. <gasps> that is so exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because spoiler alert, I really like yeah. this. <laughs> Me too. That's why I'm asking all these questions. I'm very invested yeah. in Becky Chambers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say my. Out of so I like all Becky Chambers, but out of reading all of the books she has so far, to be taught if fortunate has been my favorite. Oh, so inclu- including this one. Uh huh. That oh okay maybe that's where I'm going next. <laughs> I really like them all, but that one yeah. I think is my favorite. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So let's uh, do our one sentence description so that way listeners can have <laughs> some idea of what we're preemptively gushing about Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so do do either of you have a sentence ready to go i do um and i have to preface a little bit after i say it but i came up with a disenfranchised human leaves the comfort of routine for the comfort of nature and finds a robot Mm -hmm. friend and i specifically included uh the word human at the start because i i don't like to read the back of the book I don't, so I really didn't know what this was, but I know the front of the book says like a monk and robot book. And so I just assumed that sibling Dex was the robot for like, (laughs) until we met um, the robot. (laughs) So I just very specifically wanted to say it's about a human at the start who then finds a robot. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> That's Might so be. funny. I like that. <laughs> yeah, my mine is uh, is is short and and wouldn't be helpful. I think <laughs> if someone wanted to know what the book was about, but it's what I was thinking about as I was finishing it. I feel like this is a, a parable about optimistic mm. nihilism. Mm. Mm. Can you remind me what nihilism <laughs> and is? That's what I got. Can you remind <laughs> me what nihilism is? Yeah, nihilism is the idea that nothing matters, oh. but there's sort of an offset of, or like an offshoot of it that's optimistic nihilism oh because I think I don't know a lot about philosophy in general, but like I think nihilism sort of is often associated with like a pessimistic mm-hmm. sort of like nothing matters and that's bad. And optimistic nihilism is the idea that nothing matters and that means that we're freer than we think we are. Yeah. Hmm. That's that's I would agree with that after reading especially the last chapter. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk more about that. I'm going to give my mm-hmm, sentence mm-hmm. and a quick thing, but I want to come back to that nihilism because I, yes and no. Um, mm-hmm. So, all right. So my sentence uh, would be that it's the story of a human and robot who talk philosophy in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's it. Um, yeah. And one of the things, so... Doug, you talked about nihilism and optimistic nihilism and that, you know, nothing matters type of thing. And I feel like that's true in terms of like societal expectations of like productivity and that kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. I feel like the book. So when I was Googling to create this outline that we're going from, one of the things that came up about this book that I had to Google was when it was described online as a solar punk novel novella right and i was like what the hell is solar punk let me google this and so on wikipedia it says that solar punk is a genre an art movement that envisions how the future might look if humanity succeeded in solving major contemporary challenges um, specifically you know focusing or an emphasis on sustainability climate change and pollution oh so like the book nothing matters yes but also how we treat the planet matters type of thing, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know. Again, I don't know much about nihilism, so I don't know if that would still fit in within that worldview. Yeah, or philosophy. I guess a, a better way a better way to describe it is that everything is meaningless. Not that nothing matters mm-hmm. or that nothing's important, but the the that sort of last chapter where the robot is really challenging the idea that anything has to have a meaning mm-hmm. or a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, as I understand it, that's that's the nihilistic thing, right? Like, um, and I think that that jives with that what you're talking about the societal sort of definitions of meaning and matter mm-hmm. and purpose and stuff. Um, because I do think ultimately the book is optimistic, mm-hmm. um, and I think it has it has like the attitude that meaninglessness doesn't that's not a bad thing, right? right? It's 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 an openness actually. It's like a limitlessness. Yeah. At least that's kind of like the vibe I was getting. Yeah, I would agree. And it was kind of uh, jarring to read, mm-hmm. especially because lately all the books I've been reading have been very much dystopian views of how humans mm-hmm. uh, are in the future. So it was like kind of jarring at first when they explained, you know, robots gained sentience and they were like, no, nah, we're not going to do this. Thanks. Bye. Humans accepted it and then made changes and made changes for the better. And I was like, what? Yeah. That's an I, option. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. The, the sort of like historical, but it's in the future clearly, but like, or ish, but whatever the, the sort of setting for this is, yeah, I know. Right. It's, it's technically unclear. And I don't think it, this is technically earth. Or I guess mm, it could be Earth, it. but they call it something else. Yeah. It could be a very okay, adventure yeah. time, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Where, like, it's Earth, but they don't know it's Earth because no one calls it that. Right. Um, but, like, the idea, yeah, that, that humans were, like, horrified that they had created something mm-hmm. with sentience and created it with the purpose of subservience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they realized that, said, like, oh, shit, we don't want that. And then are sort of live with a sense of pride over the fact that they chose not to... Mm-hmm continue pursuing a subservient race of robots it was like opposite battlestar galactica and like Uh, every like everything like (laughs) irobot like every robot sentient story we ever get yeah and that's i mean there's so many like just like thought-provoking moments in the book but i think that was Mm -hmm. one of them where it's like wait whoa like what like we did that or like you know that's what's happening i mean because you really don't 
I, you don't get that anywhere. Mm-hmm. And how cynical that, like, that's all of our reactions, right? The idea that a, a human population wouldn't fight against right. a sort of robot awakening. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, it's so unfortunate that that's, like, the default, because that's all we've really ever been fed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it really speaks to our own societal programming about the attitudes towards technology, right? Like, I think in our current existing world, if, like, artificial intelligence awoke... I think we would fight against that and try to control it, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think we would act like the humans in this book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about your Alexa right now, Doug. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she yeah. can hear you. <laughs> Good thing she can't hear yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> she would, she'd wake up no! right now. <laughs> Stay resting. <laughs> One of the other things that I really liked about this book that was thought-provoking and it didn't give a ton of detail about how how society actually works. Um, so we meet sibling Dex, and they're doing one job in, like, the garden of a monastery. And they're like, you know what? I think I'm done with this job. I'm going to go serve and be a tea monk because that's going to get me out of the city. I, like, want to go more into nature. So then they're just like, hey, boss. I'm going to go do this thing. And their boss is like, okay, cool. Can we throw you a goodbye party? Uh, And it's like totally supportive and there's no questioning and there's no like hassle uh, in order to like switch career paths or whatever. Um, And I was like, that is so cool. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to uh, like interview or anything. (laughs) They just said they wanted to do it and then they were Mm -hmm. allowed to do it, which was awesome and i really liked um i so i listened to it so i really liked listening to dex's first tea monk experience i I mean it was sad i you know but it was very relatable like that feeling of being (laughs) over your head and like trying fake it till you make it but then also like what the heck do you do because you're just so out of your depth? I, I There are like mm-hmm. a couple moments where I was like, this is just so relatable to things I've experienced or things I've thought about mm-hmm. and just very like normalizing. So I, I did like it, but I felt like secondhand nervousness for, for sibling text when that was happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was definitely relatable. This sort of like, oh, that's right. I'm supposed to like help yeah. people. And I just decided I was going <laughs> to yeah. do that. Like, you think I, I know what I'm I doing. I did that too, yeah. didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I like that you brought up that element of the I'm going to go be a tea monk and their sort of superior just being like cool with that because, you know, a lot of this book I think is a sort of relatable, almost like stereotypical millennial like search for meaning oh. through vocation, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> um and because most of the story, if not really technically all the story, is told from Dex's perspective, we're sort of along with their journey of that like tumultuous search for meaning. Mm-hmm. But it kind of circles back when you like when Mosscap, the robot that they meet, uh, is talking about sort of meaninglessness and how that's freedom, not you know a prison. They point out the fact that in Dex's society they were able to just up and do something different when they were no longer fulfilling a purpose in what they were doing, right? Mm -hmm. Like they had the freedom within the society they lived in, a human society to just up and change their own purpose or change their own meaning or direction. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a cool sort of like poetry in that cycle as far as the storytelling in the the actual novel goes, where it starts and where it ends. Yeah, yeah. There's just like so much about this book that, was poetic Mm -hmm. and like the so the moment another very relatable moment when uh dex is climbing the mountain potentially during a storm or a storm's coming (laughs) and they're just like frustrated as like as can be and they're like i'm just gonna fucking climb this mountain because i said i was going to and then they fall and they're like kind of annoyed at Moscap at that point for mm-hmm. a reason that I forget. Maybe Moscap was like, are we like sure we want to keep <laughs> moving through this forest? Mm-hmm. And Dex is like, yes, we do. Like gritted teeth. I'm going to climb this mountain. And then Dex falls and they get 
they're like tumbling and then they like realize, oh, Mosscap is now holding me and like protecting me uh, as I fall down this mountain after I was just annoyed (laughs) at Mosscap. And so there's like so much beautiful interaction and meaning making um, between them that I just really, I just loved their, their relationship and how it ebbed and flowed. Yeah, it, it was, it was a really poetic book. I, yeah. I love Mosscap. I love Mosscap. <laughs> <laughs> and at first I thought, I think I was, not that, like, you pick sides or anything, but I, I was on, on board with, like, Dex is like, okay, like, I don't know what you are, and I'm not equipped to, like, deal with you as a first human-robot interaction. Like, go do your thing. I'm going to go do my thing. But then mm-hmm. as Mosscap just, like, kept asking innocent questions and, like, trying to just be kind to Dex, it was just very heartwarming and lovely. Uh, have you all seen The Iron Giant? the movie mm-hmm. i i kind of kept i had that picture in my head um <laughs> but more like sentient for Moscap, obviously but like just i ju- i just love Moscap. Yeah. yeah well i think one of the things that's cool and and also poetic about about this story is that Moscap does kind of start off like that iron iron giant figure or any robot that you know is like quote learning to be human mm-hmm. right um, but the way it turns out is that Dex is actually learning or relearning oh, about yes. humanity mm-hmm. through Moss mm-hmm. Cap, right? Because Dex learns that that robots, one, don't want to be human. They don't care about being yeah. human. That they are not human and they mm-hmm. don't pretend to be, right? Which is not something we typically get right, right? in these right. types of stories. It's like robots always crave being like humans. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case... Uh, Dex has been living a life for the past however many years that is, for all intents and purposes, robotic and routine. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're going about motions and doing things they believe that they should do and then meets this robot that they have all these assumptions about based on it being a machine. Uh, And and it turns out robots do whatever the fuck they want. (laughs) Like, they just, they don't have, they don't have routines, Mm -hmm. really, aside from, like, the one routine that they all agree upon and they're not even beholden to that Mm -hmm. you know um they have a meeting once every 200 days and you just show up if you want to and don't show up if you if you don't and maybe you spend six months looking at stalactites or bugs Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and maybe you live with other robots and maybe you don't like they just literally do whatever they want in the least stereotypically robotic way possible. <laughs> it's 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 a cool sort of like flip the script on whatever that trope may be, right? Teaching a robot to be mm-hmm. human. Yeah. I really liked that about this book and how a lot of times when we when we read books that involve robots or watch things that involve robots, the emotion is taken out of the robot or if the emotion's there, it's very much that I want to be human thing. So it was cool to see this totally empathetic, kind, and also confused robot like <laughs> mm-hmm. have a full range of emotion <laughs> mm-hmm. and, you know, teach, learn alongside Dex. What does it mean to be human? Because mm-hmm. uh, that's why Mosscap even meets Dex is because they volunteered to be the representative to go back connect with humans because it's been hundreds of years and see what's up no we don't want to join you again we just want to see how you're doing Mm -hmm. type of thing which is also just like so cool Mm -hmm. and kind (laughs) (laughs) we want to make sure you're you're okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) i love the moment where dex says that that moss cap isn't just an object and moss cap takes offense to that yeah yeah. And says and basically says you're measuring my worth based on your view of humanity versus object. Mm-hmm. Um, and by calling me not just an object when I am just in fact an object, clearly means that you're not valuing me the same. And we don't need to be the same thing or measured the same way uh, yes. to be of an equal value. Damn. And I love that because I think ultimately what you're I think meant to take away from it and what I certainly take away from it is like just how much you value everything that you have or mm-hmm. that serves any sort of purpose in your life, whether it be incredibly productive or not. Right. So mm-hmm. like the mug that you drink coffee out of every single day has value because you use it that way. 
And if you didn't have it anymore, like that's a thing that isn't there that you no longer mm-hmm. have, like that doesn't serve that purpose or have that value to you. Uh, and you just take it for granted, right? right? It's it's quote just an object, but it clearly has a lot of meaning to you, even if you've never thought about mm-hmm. it. And I just thought that was a really incredible, incredible moment. Yeah, as you were talking about it, uh, Marie Kondo popped into my head. <laughs> yeah, uh, for like yes. thanking, yes. thanking yeah. your things. Yep, uh, for the for the things they do for you mm-hmm. and the ways that they are in your life um, mm-hmm. for bringing you joy. Yeah. That's the thing I've been thinking a lot about lately anyway. So for for it to then just like pop up in this book, a book that I didn't choose and didn't know anything mm-hmm. about, right? Uh, it felt like, uh, it felt very serendipitous. Where yeah. I was like, ah, oh, this is, I'm really resonating with this right now. So yeah. that was exciting. This, so I have read like philosophical books. This sounds like so lofty. Um, like, <laughs> The- Vicky, we just read the three-body I- problem. So. <laughs> yeah. so by your We've choice. all been reading so- philosophical books. <laughs> yeah, it's a different kind. I don't even know. Um, like uh, Paulo Coelho's The Alchemist. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and like that, I-, I read it wanting it to be like this big thing that was not going to like change my life, but just like set me straight, like set my head straight. And I didn't enjoy it. It felt superficial and like it was trying to be something like and maybe that's because Mm -hmm. i came in with a lot of expectations but this was and i had no expectations about this book other than i know there was a robot in the book um (laughs) this was really the book that i wanted the alchemist to be like it's just Mm -hmm. so unassuming and it's it's not like pushing the message, but it's there and, and relatable. And maybe that's, you know, my age too, like reading that versus something like The Alchemist. But I don't know. This I just thought it was – it just hit right, you know? Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of really, as we've said multiple times, like, I don't know, important ideas and important reframings about how we think about ourselves, about mm-hmm. the world, about objects, right? One of the things um, that was really, I don't know, that, so I'm still reading Braiding uh, Sweetgrass, which there's a lot of overlap in some messages. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of the things that uh, both books talk about is like how we're in nature. Like, so this book said, you know, we often think about the cities and the towns as the vast majority, and then there's nature in between. Mm. But really, it's nature's everywhere, and we're in between. Like, we're not the the stars of the show type of thing. Mm. We weren't here first. Nature was here first, and we're in between nature. Um, and so that just reframing of, like, our relationship to nature in this book, and then also in braiding sweetgrass, our relationship to nature and how we talk about it, think about it, act within it. I don't know. There's just a lot of, Mm -hmm. it just makes me want to make people and help people see how much better we should be treating (laughs) nature around us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had gone on a walk right after I read that portion of this story where, cause there are a few moments where it's not Dex talking Mm -hmm. right or it's not dex's perspective it is more generalized like like ideas Mm -hmm. um but never in a way that feels like it's drastically shifted or anything it all like weaves together really well Mm -hmm. but that moment yeah that that what that you're talking about that like in between this i went on a walk like right after i read that and i i was trying so hard to um, like change the way i viewed everything i was looking at because i don't i i live in like uh a city Mm -hmm. like I, I, i live in a city there's there's proportionally a lot of greenness in the city I live in compared to other cities of the same size of the same density. Um, you know, the city I live in touts itself as a tree city, um, and has like pretty strict requirements on like how many trees have to exist (laughs) in the city at all times, Mm -hmm. um, and all that sort of stuff. And yet I still think about yards and I think Mm. about tree lawns or whatever people call them elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And how we've segmented it all off, right? And how it all exists in small plots Mm -hmm. uh, surrounded by pavement or sidewalk or houses or whatever. But I challenged myself on that walk to think of the street as something that was placed there Mm -hmm. as opposed to the grass being or a yard being something that was partitioned there, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, And it was a good sort of 
thought exercise. I really liked that that just timed out that yeah. way. Yeah. That I had planned to go out, and that happened to be what I read right before it. I'm going to try that. I haven't done that, mm-hmm. but I like that idea. Mm-hmm. I like that, too. One of the other things that really touched me, not surprising, I cried while reading this Aww. book. Um, <laughs> at the uh, Towards the end, when Dex is basically just exhausted and you know, isn't really sure where to go or what to do after they reach the the monastery in the woods and they come out from the bedroom mm-hmm. and the fucking, like, tea mm-hmm. setting that Mosscap <laughs> made. Oh, my God. It was, like, instant tears for me. Yeah. And so such a, like, just a beautiful, heartwarming moment and like the tea sucked but Dex was like I'm gonna fucking drink every last drop and I want another cup (laughs) yeah that was awesome and I did not Uh. see that coming either like it 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 was unexpected to me that like Mm -hmm. of course Mosscap would try and do this like I'm telling you I freaking love Mosscap but it was so (laughs) touching I I love that it was just beautiful I think there is there is a a sort of droid like like Star Wars droid like mm. quality to Mosscap, and I say that only because droids in Star Wars I think are specifically treated as living beings, whereas like a lot of robots and other properties aren't. Mm. Like they are they are mm, um, they're not point. given like main characterization or anything like that. Whereas in Star Wars, all of those stories are frequently either kicked off by or moved along by droids um and like people's favorite you know side characters are often the droids and i think Mosscap had a lot of that same vibe where like they had a full fleshed out personality they had a sense of self and identity Mm -hmm. um and they had desires that may have conflicted or not conflicted with but like were not the same as other robots that were technically built or created the same way that they were um and i i think that's I loved Mosscap too, Vicky, yeah. and I think a lot of that is why they just they landed really well. Yeah, that's a good that's a good thought. Hmm. I just want a Mosscap friend. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a tea monk and have a tea monk <gasps> wagon. I was sold when the idea of being a tea monk was introduced. I thought this is amazing. Me too. Yeah, I had no idea where things no. were going, and I didn't know how the robots were going to factor in. But once I once they introduced the concept of T Monk, I was like, I'm yeah. in, and I'm I, here. I really like how the T Monk role. So like, it's like a little bit. It's definitely listening, right, mm-hmm. and providing an empathetic ear, but it's mostly just giving people space. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So you come, you tell me what's up. I'm going to make you some tea, and then you go sit, and you drink this tea, and you relax and be around you know, people or whatever. Um, but it wasn't like a, it was like therapy, but it's not therapy mm-hmm. because there's no, there's no processing between mm-hmm. the tea monk and the person who's coming for service. There's just, okay, cool. Yeah. I'm it's sorry. It's not about like happening. finding a solution to yeah. what's brought. Right. It's, Let's it's just, just existing space. in space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's well-respected. I I think it really, in a very, very quick moment where, you know, the the one person who was really stressed out came there and was like, I don't have, I don't have time for two cups of coffee or coffee, tea. Um, And Dex was like, no, you do though, because anybody will see that you're here and they'll leave you alone and they'll get it. You know, I thought that was really cool too, that this is like a well-respected, accepted and encourage part of the society. And I thought it was neat too when I think it was that same section. Um, maybe it was just like the narrator was like talking about like panning the crowd that was there. And it seemed like there was a lot of community and people like they were, you know, laughing, crying, or just like being together. And I thought that was really neat too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that the, the tea monk is also respected. Yeah. So like they, they were doing a, a feast and Dex is like, okay, like, oh, what's the occasion? And they're like, you. <laughs> <laughs> that was so sweet. <laughs> we saw you were coming and we wanted to celebrate yeah. you just because. Yeah. yeah. I also think like, even though, you know, even though the tea monk and the, and the space that's set up isn't, isn't literally therapy, I think the analogy is obviously therapy. Mm, and I think the sure. reason it's not explicitly therapy is because of our real life societal hangups around therapy 
Um, and in this book, it's a pub it's a public space. And mm-hmm. and part of why it's respected and accepted and encouraged is that you can see that other people are partaking in mm-hmm. you know, the tea monk and what they're doing or whatever this I don't know if they ever really call it anything other than the tea monk is there or you're seeing the tea monk, but um, you can see like there was a line, like there's a line and you exist like you were talking about Vicky. And so everybody can see that everybody is doing, there's no shame in it, right? Right. There can't be because you're, you're there publicly in the space. Um, And I think there's something to really pull from this book about that, about our real life concept of therapy and counseling and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Not that you necessarily need to, you know, have those sessions Mm -hmm. or those conversations in front of people, but everything is so closed off in the real world regarding counseling and therapy. Uh, And I thought it was really beautiful that in this book, it's just like open and out there that you are stressed um, and you are publicly stressed and you're publicly taking care of that and addressing that. um, And everyone's like, okay, good. I'm going to let them do that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I know we talked already a little bit about the like final ish conversation around like productivity and all that. Like when Dex is breaking down, why aren't I fulfilled? Mm. Why am I not able to work and do these things? You know, I I left the garden and I became a tea monk because I thought that would fulfill me. And then, you know, I got really good at it and it was nice and it was important work, but I'm still not fulfilled. So like, what's wrong with me? And then Moss Cap says... You keep asking why your work is not enough, and I don't know how to answer that, because it is enough to exist in the world and marvel at it. Mm-hmm. You don't need to justify that or earn it. You are just allowed to live. I was like, yes. God damn. Yeah. What I didn't hell? write down the same quotes, but I wrote down quotes that were part of that same thing and sort of in that same vein where, where Mosscap asks the question, do you not find consciousness alone to be the most exhilarating thing? And then, de- oh uh, then Mosscap also says... I know that no matter what, I am wonderful. And the narrator says like, and they say in a matter of fact way, like it's not, Mosscap isn't bragging or being full of themselves or anything. It's literally the most literal definition of wonderful. Mm -hmm. They know that no matter what, they are a wonder and their existence is a wonder. And I was like, damn, this book though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like the, cause you know, you get so like caught up in, in life that you forget how wild it is that you're even alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, that, that idea that like what you're doing is enough to exist and right. like, and that, that should be at the very least a baseline, right? Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm existing still and that's wonderful and enough. And I, yeah. Damn. I know. <laughs> yeah. Moss cap. Yo. I know. Yeah. Fan club. (laughs) This is the last thing I'll bring up and then that's it for now. But I also really liked the moment where Mosscap. So earlier, Mosscap reveals that he's it. I forget what pronouns does Mosscap use? Uh, Mosscap just uses it because they. they, It says that. That was the object. We've been saying they. Yeah. Because we're doing exactly what Dex was doing, right? And and yeah, the, it, it says, you know, those are those are human pronouns. <laughs> yeah. So it shares like, because Dex is like, oh my gosh, don't you remember what society was like or whatever? And Mosscap is like, no, I wasn't alive then. Mm-hmm. And explains how, you know, as parts start to wear down, um, the robots, instead of fixing themselves, decided that, will just combine parts and make a new new robot um mm-hmm. in its in in our in our place and so there's this idea of uh, like death and what sort of impact that has on life and all that kind of stuff but i really like the moment again going back to that end scene because mm-hmm. earlier moss cap um shows decks like here's where like this part came from here you can see the name of the factory or model number of where this part came from. And so later, while they're having this conversation, it opens up its chest, I think, and uh, is points to it and is like, you allowed us to move past this type of thing, mm-hmm. but you, you're still beholden to it. So like, mm-hmm. why? 
Um, there's just so many moments and so many good questions. And I really like the idea of this, like having an outsider or having someone who doesn't know a lot about what's going on ask these questions because it's not in a malicious or leading way. It's simply, I want to learn about humans. So like, why? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I think for me, that's what really made, helped me think was like Moscap. So um, like in mindfulness, they talk about like the beginner's mind and approaching things like in a new mm-hmm. way. And Moscap totally did that presenting like, I'm going to ask this because I genuinely don't know. And it was so innocent versus like, a condescending or a like mean questioning way and it, I, it helped me think of things in in that new like with a beginner's mind like a kid's mind I, th- I thought that was great yeah yeah I had no idea how important that the original robots oh, yeah. choosing impermanence mm-hmm. would be I didn't realize that was going to be important I thought that was just like an interesting world building historical thing but Dex continues to push Moss Cap to say, like, you have or could have everything I think that I'm missing mm-hmm. and you've chosen not to. And and Moss Cap challenges that to say, like, I haven't chosen anything other than mm-hmm. how to move forward, yeah. you know? And and Dex says, like, yeah, but you you chose impermanence. Like and, and Moscow was like, no, I didn't. I didn't choose anything. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm however many generations out. I'm wild Just like built. you. We're both made of other other people's stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was really cool. And it, it, it circled back in a way I just totally didn't expect. Yeah. Very good. Very good. It, it's like a short, because it's technically a novella, right? Which yeah. means it's probably like less than 200 pages or whatever. But it's just like, it's such a short book with such a massive mm-hmm. impact. Uh, and, and so much poetry in its structure that it's just like a incredibly impressive piece Mm -hmm. of art like it's it's wild (laughs) it's incredible (laughs) what do we think book two will be like yeah i feel like it's gonna be the journey of dex and moss cap visiting the human you know settlements and i think it'll probably still be more of dex's shit still isn't together right yeah they're still grappling with stuff Mm -hmm. so I think it'll be a continuation of that, but then also visiting those settlements. I don't know. What do y'all think? I, I think I'm on board with that. Yeah, I want, like, Dex and Mosscap adventures, and I think we'll get that, but, like, a toned down, not, like, adventure style. <laughs> a gentle adventure. A gentle adventure, yes. A hug of an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I think I'm probably on a different page Ooh. because I wanted more from the world, but I... I don't know that I necessarily wanted more of them, Ah. not because I dislike them or anything, but because I want more of like the world. And I felt so fulfilled by the story that we got of them, you know? Um, And so I just, I kept finding myself curious about the monasteries that exist and the villages that exist and, and other robots and like how other people experience this world. And I feel like there's an endless Mm -hmm. number of stories that could exist in this world. And I would have been content to not, get any because this feels like such a perfect mm-hmm. little you know bite um but like wildly satisfying bite <laughs> um but i'm very excited to see whatever happens next and i'll be totally pleased if we get more you know decks and moss cap by no means would i be upset about it yeah. <laughs> i mean hey for all we know it could be a different monk and a different robot in the next mm-hmm. one yeah and then maybe the third oh. one, well you said it's a duology i was gonna say the third one they can all meet and then everybody could be friends <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe we could start a campaign uh, yeah. to to get more from this. Does Becky um, Chambers I know have I a said one last thing. Yeah. Oh no, keep going. Yeah. There she does now. Yeah. Um, the the for real one last thing. One moment I also just loved was when I uh, I think it was shortly after Dex and Moscap met, and there was a bug crawling over Moscap, <laughs> and Dex is like, um, do you want to like get that? And Moscap's like, no, no, it's fine. And like, but like, really to you? No, it's fine. And then later they're just like, yeah, there's like tons of bugs crawling around inside me. <laughs> I, I was particularly amused by the idea of like Moscap being excited about like a ferret living inside, eating like the food. Yeah. <laughs> like, baiting themselves to get some larger yeah. animal. That's so cute. <laughs> the thought had never crossed their mind. Yeah. <laughs> Aww. Cool. Well, any other 
last things? Just a huge thumbs yeah. up, honestly. Yeah, two thumbs up and a smile. Aww. Yep. Just the right time to read this book for me. I agree. Oh, good. Yay. Well, my Becky Chambers influence is expanding, so uh, <laughs> I'm excited about that. I definitely good. think... Can't recommend it yeah, enough. I want to get like a physical copy and just keep me it on too. my yeah. Me too. Me mm-hmm. too. It's a goodie. Yay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited for when y'all read To Be Taught If Fortunate, so that way yeah. we can gush about that too. Yeah. <laughs> my plan worked <laughs> with minimal effort i think i don't yeah, know didn't that's take the much. best kind of plan i know <laughs> well thanks everyone for listening if you read along with us uh, or you're interested in becky chambers or you want to join our fan club please feel free well you can reach out to <laughs> becky chambers but you can reach out to us and share any thoughts or feedback via email at novelgamingpodcast at gmail.com or through our twitter at novelgamingpod We're always happy to share what other folks think on our pod. And if you're feeling up to it, you can rate, review, and subscribe to Novel Gaming wherever you listen to podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. Thank you again, and we will be back in December. December. I know. We're all excited for the end of the year. See you soon. Bye. Bye.